Welcome to the Road Racers Podcast at www.roadracerspodcast.com. Now, get ready for the drop of the green flag. Welcome to the Road Racers Podcast. This is Derek Ross, your host of Road Racers Podcast. That's cars racing on road courses. Left turns, right turns, up through the gears, down through the gears, on the brakes, on the gas, sliding around, having a good time, rain or shine. Hey, and if you're not a big road racing fan, maybe just hang out for a bit, see how you like it. Strap into your seats, let's go to the track, let's talk to some people, have some fun when it comes to the world of road racing. Yeah, my name is David Cooper. I am the general manager for Crawford Race Cars. This is, um, this is our car, one of our Crawford cars. It, has a, it is actually gonna race this weekend. This is uh, with Tony Stewart, Andy Wallace, and Butch Leisinger. So, hit me with your questions straight away. Anything you wanna ask, anything you wanna know. What makes it a Pontiac? Is it a Pontiac engine or, a, or a, just a General Motors engine? Yeah, it's a General Motors engine, but it's, it's called a Pontiac. It's uh, the LS6 engine, which is in the, uh, I think is in a Corvette, the new um, Z06, if I'm correct in saying that. But they're all called Pontiac because uh, Pontiac is the sports car arm of General Motors, like Sh Chevy is the NASCAR arm. I'm curious to know what type of compression the engine's running, and along with that, uh, what type of octane fuel? It's 104 octane, if I remember correctly. Normally I don't deal with that, that's the engine boys that have to deal with that, but 104 octane, and we buy it here at um, Sunoco. I think it's uh, 11 to 1, if I remember on that. What's the top speed of the car down the straightaway? The top speed here will be um, somewhere around about 186 to 189 mile an hour, depending on whether you get a draft. Um, people do ask me if the car can go faster. Yeah, it is possible for the car to go faster. We can gear, change the gear ratios, and we can make the car go faster. And uh, uh, we have an estimated top speed with the horsepower and, and the uh, aerodynamics of the car that it'll be somewhere around about 230 mile an hour, but there's not an, an infield track where we can test that. Hey, uh, David, how long does it take to uh, put one of these sweet machines together? Um, from birth, they're approximately three months to put together, but we do put them together in two weeks, and that's because we have a lot of parts pre-made. Um, we do manufacture everything on this car, apart from the engine, the gearbox, wheels, and some uh, uh, the oil fittings and stuff like that. So it's about three months from, let's call it, concept to actually finishing the car. But all in all, the parts all come together all, all at one time, and then we have two weeks to build the car. To answer your question, the, uh, by regulation, when the cars are actually, the engines are restricted to a certain RPM. If you've got a Porsche, the uh, RPM is unlimited on that. If you have a five-liter car, which the Pontiac and the Ford is, they're restricted to 7.3. Um, the BMW and um, I think the Toyota are restricted to 6.8. Uh, I just got to ask if this is a full sequential gearbox. Yes, it is. Um, some of the cars are six-speed. Um, you have to be, uh, have an engine smaller than a 5 litre to have a 6-speed gearbox. So, and all the, all the gears are, is, is a sequential shift. Um, yes, if you, as soon as you hit it, it goes straight in the gear. And it's actually got a little sensor on the gear shift. And uh, what the, the sensor does, it, it, it picks up 
um, a motion in the gear lever, and it's, it's called flat shift. And where you can leave your foot on the throttle, mash the throttle, as some of the drivers call it, and you can just keep changing. But you do have to use the clutch on the change down, but on going for, uh, forward, you can just keep ma mashing the gears. Um, I don't know that one. <laughs> There's all sorts of electric gizmos where they shut off the fuel and etc. etc. Trying to make it as efficient as as possible. <laughs> uh, as far as development on the car, how much time was spent in the wind tunnel, and what was the uh, final coefficient of drag? Um, I did tech talk at the test and somebody asked me the same question. You thought, would have thought I'd have learned from that one. I don't actually know the drag on a vehicle. Um, on, the wind, on the wind tunnel, I, I believe we spent somewhere in the order of about, I think it was close to a thousand hours in the wind tunnel. So, I mean, it was an awful lot of time to develop this shape. Um, the, the, the aerodynamic shape was reasonably difficult because uh, inside there's a, a specific steel tube frame. And uh, obviously, the narrower and the smaller the vehicle is, the, the slicker it is. And uh, we had to work around the roll hoop, so it was very difficult to achieve a teardrop shape with the, with the roll hoop inside. And obviously, the, uh, a teardrop shape is one of the most aerodynamic shapes you can get. All right, one last one. How many pounds of uh, downforce generated? Did I get you again? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, got a, I, I, I do actually know this one. I, I know it's over a thousand pounds of downforce, but it's not one of them cars that you can turn upside down in a tube and it, and it will. Yeah, unfortunately, um, it won't do that. You'd have to have a lot bigger wings and tunnels and stuff like that to achieve 2,300 pounds of downforce. I think it's somewhere, it's somewhere in the range of about 1,000 to 1,200 pounds of downforce, not an awful lot compared to some of the, you know, some weird and wild. Um, sports cars from Europe. The total water car is actually by a regulation of 2,300 pounds. So it's roughly uh, 1,200 pounds lighter than a NASCAR. A NASCAR is roughly 3,500 pounds. Well, with the three drivers, um, are there major adjustments that need to be made to accommodate for all three gentlemen? On some cars, yeah, actually on the GT cars, that some of them have um, sliding seats. But m mainly on this is the seat belts, and there might be, uh, on this particular car, the drivers are very similar size, so um, there's not an awful lot to do in a car apart from uh, pulling hard on the lap straps. Um, some people have double buckles on lap straps, so if they get a, a, small, dr a small driver that has a, a large seat insert, uh, they've got another buckle on the lap strap, so... No, no, the engine you start with is the engine you have to finish with. You, you can do a gearbox change. Well, some of the boys would have been very happy to do a, a gearbox change in about four, I mean, an engine change in four hours, but some of them have been struggling. I think uh, during the sprint races, um, you can, um, with the schedule that's allowed from uh, Grand Am, you, you can probably change the engine of somewhere between 40 minutes and an hour. Any question you like. Doesn't matter how simple, how complicated. How many hours did drive You can only drive for three hours in, in one stint, um, and then you have to get out. But you, you, you can do as, I, I believe you can do as many hours as you like. Obviously, 
you know, it's not worth changing a driver after, um, you know, th going out doing one lap and putting the same driver back in. But you, 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 can, you, you can only do three hours in one stint. But a lot of drivers will double stint. And a, a stint is actually a, is a time from when they, um, the car goes and then comes back in and has a fuel load of fuel and uh, changes the tyres. That's a stint. So a double stint will be two loads of fuel, two sets of tyres. And on the, se the end of the second stint, you, you, you change the driver. It's better if they do, um, like, a stint's roughly an hour and a quarter, so it'd be a bit, it's better if they do two and a half hours each. Yeah, they do get tired. They don't get as tired as the crew, though. The crew get a lot tired. The, the, the drivers get chance to sleep, and I, I don't know how they do it, but they do. They do go to sleep. The crew has to stay awake for 24 hours, and if they look like they're dropping off, someone will wake them up anyway. Is there anything as a manufacturer that you would like to see the cars have that aren't allowed in the rules that would be a personal favorite of yours? To me, personally, oh. um, I like to think our chassis is the stiffest chassis out there. I actually, I believe it is. And um, I would like actually bigger rear tires and uh, better tires. So I could actually make, um, that way I could make a better use of the tires and obviously then I'd have an advantage because I believe the other chassis are softer. And with these tyres, you, you need a soft chassis, and we have a stiff chassis, so I, I, I'd, I'd like to have a, a proper set of race tyres. How's that? How many set of race tyres uh, do you guys go through, through for the 24? Um, well, obviously, when you cha your stint is roughly an hour and a quarter, so you, you, you're talking about 24, 24 sets because of the set you start on. You know, um, if everything goes perfectly, it'd be 22, I believe, if my math's right. It'd be 22 sets. How much, how much is one set of tires? How much do they cost? <laughs> well, I'm a chassis manufacturer, not a tire manufacturer. I, I think they're somewhere around about $400 each. Yeah, I think, I think we pay 385 for the fronts, and I think it's 415 for the rear or something like that. I got a question. How, many, how often do you change the pads and rotors? During a 24-hour race, minimum of once. You, minimum of once. Uh, some might even do two. But you will do a disc change as well. There's no, there's, unless we switch to carbon brakes, there's no way these um, brakes would last for 24 hours. Unless, um, I think it was um, four years ago, I think we had a, about 19 hours in the rain. and I, We were that close to doing a whole race. Very, very close. So, I mean, there was a lot, of, a lot of laps under yellow, and obviously you're not using up the brakes during the rain and under yellow. Well, Mr. Cooper, we want to thank you for coming out. We appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. The Road Racers podcast would like to have your input. We're always looking to make this a better show, and we'd like to get your feedback. Now, there's two ways to do that. Please call us on our comment line, 206-888-4301. And please let us know which podcast it is you're commenting on. Your comments may be used in upcoming shows. So if you got a good idea and you want to hear yourself on the Road Racers podcast, call us in. Let us know what you think. Again, the number is 206-888-4301. And if you prefer not to have your voice on the show or not to be heard, then you can send us an email. Just do it to feedback at roadracerspodcast.com. Again, that's feedback at roadracerspodcast.com.
Now, if you know somebody specifically that should be on this show, please let us know. We want to make this one of the best things you can find out there in the world of motorsports. This is Derek Ross, hoping you've really enjoyed the show. We'll see you at the track. You have been listening to the Road Racers podcast on Race Remote. Your host has been Derek Ross. To subscribe to the Road Racers podcast and for all show notes and more information, you'll find us on the web at www.roadracerspodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes. The Road Racers Podcast is a production of Race Drive Interactive Inc., providing winning interactive solutions for the motorsports industry. Road Racers Podcast is copyright 2008, Race Drive Interactive Inc. All rights are reserved. The Road Racers Podcast is a proud member show of the Race Remote Media Network. Motorsports at its best. No batteries required. For all the latest shows and updates, please visit www.raceremote.com. For marketing opportunities and more information, call our friendly marketing department at 818-430-RACE or see us on the web at www.raceremote.com. Thanks for supporting motorsports. Now get to a race event and take a friend. I'll see you at the track.